everybody this morning. Thank you for coming out uh, to worship with us. My name is Shane Hatfield. I am the uh, campus minister here. If I haven't met you yet, I'd love to meet you afterwards, and I'm sure Ryan would as well. Thank you so much for enduring the weather to come and, uh, and worship Jesus with us. Ryan is asking to keep it short, so no longer than 45 minutes. We'll land the plane at 45 minutes. Okay, Thomas, you just give me the, the, the finger right there. Let me know. Uh, we're going to be uh, in John chapter 1 this morning, so if you have a Bible, open that up. John chapter 1. I do have a little bit of a cough, so forgive me if I start to cough. i got some water up here in case it happens. Uh, children, I proved this week that you can catch a cough from exercising out in the cold. Okay, I don't know if you can catch the cold, but you can catch a cough, so listen to your parents. They're right. The uh, title of this sermon this morning is Jesus is Our Flashlight. And uh, we've been looking at all of the announcements of Christmas that the angels made. We, we looked at... Uh, the angel announcing to Zechariah, the angel announcing to Mary, the angel announcing to Joseph and to the shepherds. Well, this morning, we are going to look at John, the Apostle John, announcing to us that the Savior is here, that light has shone into our darkness. So please read with me from John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through Him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. From, and from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. The Word of the Lord. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Gracious Father in Heaven, we do thank You so much for sending Your Son Jesus to dwell in the flesh with us, Father. We thank You for loving us so much that You would give Your Son to us. We thank You, Jesus, that You would be so humble and gracious as to come to earth and endure sin and sickness and bad weather with us. We thank You, Holy Spirit, that You would be so gracious as to apply Jesus to our hearts. Father, we need You right now. We need You to shine light into our darkness. And so we pray that as we spend these next few moments meditating on Your Word about Your Son, please, Lord, Please give us light and show us how your light leads us to life. 
true life with you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. My wife has a, uh, uh, her own business. It's a photography business. And a few years ago, we went to shoot a wedding up in Minnesota. She was going to be the primary shooter at the wedding, and I was going to be the secondary shooter, which means basically I got to stand around and hold the camera and look cool, which I was really excited about. I like looking cool. So we went to the wedding. We shot the wedding. Then we went to the reception after the wedding. We showed up before everybody else. Uh, we got there. I took off my camera bag. I took off my jacket. I kind of got my camera ready. And there was this huge open dining area where everybody was going to sit, and they were going to eat together, and they were going to spend hours in merriment celebrating the wedding. Well, people started showing up. They started sitting down. It got darker and darker. They, they sort of lowered the lights. There were candlelit tables all over the place. And pretty soon, about 200 people were sitting in this reception hall celebrating this wedding. As I'm walking around taking pictures of all the people sitting at the tables, it occurred to me that I had lost one of my hearing aids. Now, why a 32-year-old man was wearing hearing aids, I won't bore you with that story, but I used to wear hearing aids, and I lost one. And I thought, oh my, I'm at a reception. There's hundreds of people here. It's dark. How in the world am I going to find a hearing aid? So I started retracing my steps, and I went back to the spot where I took off my jacket and my camera bag, and I you know, got on my hands and knees and looked around, and it was dark, so I couldn't see anything. And I, I got my father-in-law. I said, Greg, can you come help me? I've got to find my hearing aid. We, we retraced all my steps. We walked all around this reception looking for my hearing aid. We couldn't find it. We walked outside to where I came in. We couldn't find it. We came back inside, and as I was exasperated and I'd given up all hope of finding my hearing aid, somebody came up to me and they said, how about a flashlight? I was like, yes, thank you. Why did it take us so long to figure this out? We need a flashlight. So they gave me the flashlight. I went back to the original spot where I took off my coat. I made everybody at that table move. I got down on my hands and knees. I took the flashlight. I shined it under the table, and there was my hearing aid sitting on the ground underneath the table. It had been there the entire time, but I couldn't see it until I had the flashlight. What John tells us in this text is that Jesus is our flashlight that reveals things to us that have been there all along, but we couldn't see him. He reveals three things. He reveals the love of God. He reveals the darkness of our hearts. And he reveals the way to life. And so we're going to talk about those three things briefly this morning. The first thing I want you to see is, is that Jesus is the flashlight that reveals the love of God for us. In verses 1 and 2 it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was and the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And what John is saying here is that before the foundation of the world, in the Godhead, there was not one person, but at least two persons, and we know now there were three persons. There's one God with three persons. God the Father, the eternal Son of God, and the Holy Spirit. So before Jesus became a man, he existed in this heavenly relationship with God the Father. He was the eternal Son of God. From before the foundation of the world, they were in this loving relationship together. And Jesus describes that relationship for us in John 17. He says, uh, he's talking to his disciples. He's actually praying to God the Father. And he says, I glorified you on earth, 
having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So before the world even existed, Jesus was in heaven with God the Father, and they were glorifying each other. They were in this father-son relationship that was rich, it was joyful, it was loving, it was harmonious. It was the epitome of what you would want every relationship to be like. Imagine those moments when you and your kids, these very rare moments, when everything is ripe and it's quiet, and they're sitting in your lap, and they're not saying a word, but you're just staring at them, and they're staring at you, and you hug each other, and you can feel the love. That's what Jesus and His Heavenly Father had before He came to earth. Think about those times when you're with your spouse, and you're lying in bed, and you're side by side, and you're staring into each other's eyes, and you can't imagine any other place where you'd rather be. That's where Jesus was. Think about that time when you come home, and you greet your parents, and they're so excited to see you, and they give you the biggest bear hug, and they hold you close. That's where Jesus was. And he gave all that up to put on flesh, to become a man, and to sit in our cold, rainy, sleety days and experience our sickness and our sin, all those things. Jesus gave up the best relationship ever to come and be with us. Why would he do that? Because God loves us. Because that's what it took for God to rescue us. God himself had to leave that relationship and become a man and rescue us. And if you want to understand even more about what that looks like, you need to read a children's book called The Runaway Bunny. This is your homework assignment. Buy The Runaway Bunny. You need it. There's some great theology in Runaway Bunny. This is what it says in Runaway Bunny. Once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away. So he said to his mother, I'm running away. And the mother said, if you run away, I'll run after you, for you are my little bunny. The little bunny said, if you run after me, um, if you run after me, I'll become a fish in a trout stream, and I'll swim away from you. And the mother said, if you become a fish in a trout stream, I'll become a fisherman, and I will fish for you. The little bunny said, I'll become a rock on a mountain. And the mother said, I'll become a rock climber. The little bunny said, I'll become a crocus. And the mother said, I'll become a gardener. And the little bunny said, I'll become a bird. And the mother bunny said, I'll become a tree. And he said, I'll become a sailboat. And she said, I'll become the wind. And they went on and on like this. And finally, at the end of the book, finally the little bunny says, shucks, I guess I'll just stay here and be your bunny. And the mother gave the bunny a carrot. God said, you want to run away from me? Well, guess what? I'm going to come after you. I'm going to do whatever it takes because you're my bunny and because I love you. That's the first thing that Jesus reveals. He reveals the love of God the Father for us. And the second thing he reveals is the darkness in our own hearts. We're just like that little bunny. We're constantly running away from God. We're constantly running to other things, other people, other events, anything else in this world to try to get love and joy and affection instead of our Heavenly Father. But we don't see that until Jesus comes in and He shines light on us. And he shows us our darkness. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, In him was life, 
And the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, there's all this darkness in this world. There's darkness all around us. There's darkness in our own hearts. There's darkness in the world system. But we don't see it because we, don't, we need the light of Jesus. We have to have the light of Jesus to show it to us. And we don't see how dark it is. It's like this. Imagine that you're in a movie theater. You, you've been in a movie theater before. You probably saw Star Wars this week like everybody else, right? You go in the movie theater, and you sit in the movie theater for like two and a half hours. And the whole time you're in there, your eyes are adjusting to the darkness. And you don't realize how dark it is until what? You walk out of the movie theater into the daylight, and bam, it's so bright. You're struck by the brightness because you've been in such deep darkness. That's what it's like when Jesus comes into your life. He's so bright, he's so glorious and magnificent, your eyes have to adjust because your eyes have been immersed in darkness and you don't realize it. I realized it this week. I realized that during Christmas, there's really during any vacation, but especially Christmas vacation, my, the darkness in my heart becomes so readily apparent to me. And this week it showed up over the internet. A few months ago, uh, my wife and I got a notification from Suddenlink saying, that we had exceeded our data limit on our Wi-Fi. And I thought, huh, I didn't know there was a data limit on my Wi-Fi. And apparently there is. Apparently you only get 250 gigs. And at that point, they start charging you for more and more Wi-Fi. And I'm like, this is crazy. And so I got really mad at Suddenlink. And I decided that over Christmas break, I was going to switch to AT&T. So I went down to the AT&T store, and I got in there, and I started like talking to them about their new plan. And, and they gave me all the details. And I was like, oh, this is great. I said, is there a cap? on the amount of data you can use. And they said, yeah, you can only use 250 gigs, and then you got to pay after that. And I was like, no, are you kidding me? Like, why? Why do I have to keep paying for my own Wi-Fi? And, and, it, and so I went home, and I was mad, and I was angry, and I snapped at Sherry, and I snapped at the kids. And I, I just had all this anger. Like, all the love and joy and happiness of Christmas was gone because there was limited Internet. I was going to have to pay to use more Internet. And I just thought to myself, how weak am I? How dark and sinful am I that all it takes is the internet to steal my Christmas joy? The Lord of the universe has given me His own Son. He became a baby for me, and I'm sad because I have to pay 10 bucks a month to get 50 more gigs. What, what threatened your Christmas? What darkness in your own heart or in the world, threaten to steal the joy that you have from Jesus? Was it the internet, like me, or what really was money? Was it family relationships that are broken or strained, and it would just take more energy to reconcile than you have? Was it addictions to things that you tried to give up over and over again, and you found yourself running back to them? What was it? Christmas is that stark contrast when the light of Jesus comes in and it shows us our darkness. We're just like that little bunny. We keep running away from our Heavenly Father who loves us. But the good news is this, is that Jesus doesn't just reveal our darkness. He reveals the way to light. He comes in, He shines light into that darkness, and He shows us that He came to rescue us from it. And He came to bring us into that loving um, 
relationship with our Heavenly Father, we are resting on His chest. We're resting in His bosom, enjoying the glorious love-filled relationship that He had with God the Father before the foundation of the world. He shows us the way to life, and the way to life comes through grace. If you look here, uh, John says it over and over again. He says it in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then He says it again, and from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What is John saying? John's saying is Jesus is the flashlight that reveals the way to life. And that life only comes through grace. It only comes through grace. Right? All the Old Testament, the, God's people in the Old Testament, were like, they had the promises of God. They had all these shadows and types and figures that kind of pointed things out. But they were really like a bunch of people fumbling around in the dark looking for the remote control. They didn't really know what they were seeing. They didn't really know what they were touching. They had the law, but the law didn't really, the law didn't fully explain everything that had to be explained. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and bam. He shines light in their world and says, look, all the Old Testament is all pointing to one thing, and that is God's grace. God's unmerited kindness and favor towards us, towards the very people that are running away from him. And that's the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is that God has come into our world. He's crashed into it to graciously bring us into a relationship with him that gives us life. And that's the thing that will change you if you will let it. I heard a great illustration about this uh, this weekend when we were in Tulsa. We went to Tulsa to our old church there for their Christmas Eve service. And uh, our pastor there shared a great story that I want to share with you guys. Uh, he said that he has a pastor friend in Memphis. And this pastor friend had a man who came to him, and this man had decided that he was going to leave the church. Uh, and so the pastor and, and this man sat down, and they started talking. And as the pastor talked to the man, what he realized is this man had, had, had sort of hacked out a calculated plan to withdraw from the church and then withdraw from his wife and kids and then to leave all of them. And in his uh, sinfulness, the man was explaining his logic. He was explaining why he was doing all this. He was talking to him about the, about the gospel and, and the Bible and all those things. And the man said this. He said, you mean to tell me that the universe is so big, so vast, so great, that if we shrunk it down, what we know of it, into the size of the Astrodome in Houston, our universe would be a speck of dust floating around in that Astrodome. And I would be a microbe on that speck of dust. And you mean to tell me that God knows me and cares about me? And the pastor said, no, that's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is that the Lord of the universe became a microbe on a speck of dust to save people that hated him. To love them and bring them into a gracious relationship with him. That's the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is that the Lord of the universe became a microbe on a speck of dust because he loves us. Because he wants us to be in relationship with, us, with him. Because he wants us to be in the group hug of the Trinity. We do group hugs around my house. 
I don't know if you do, but they're the best. You get everybody, let me, let me explain how it works. You get everybody together, you wrap your arms around each other, and you squeeze, okay? That's what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had before the foundation of the world. And that's what Jesus came to bring you into. He came to bring you into the group hug of the Trinity. And when you receive Jesus, when you pick up that flashlight and you start shining Him onto your life and receiving His grace, that's what you come into. You come into the group hug of the Father that's been there before the foundation of the world. That's the story of Christmas. That's the story of God's love for you. Let's pray that God would make that real into our hearts in our hearts, and He would continue to shine that flashlight on us. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we do thank you so much. We can't even comprehend how much you love us and what it must have taken for you to send your son to become one of us. But Lord, you did it. You did what we would never have done. You did what was unthinkable and what was imaginable. You allowed your son to come and live the life that we couldn't live and die the death that we should have died to bring us into your family, to make us your children, to bring us into the group hug that you had before the foundation of the world. So we pray, Lord, right now that we would just uh, see our own sinfulness, that we would see your love for us, and that we would see the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. We would accept that and walk in it and receive it and be your children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.